In the second year of the Civil War, when the Irish filled the shores, New York was a city full of tribes, thieves, murderers, and the rich. The battle for control of the Five Points was a constant between New York's most notorious gangs, the Dead Rabbits and the Natives, until the Dead Rabbits were disbanded after the death of their leader, Priest Valent. Sixteen years later, there was one who would continue to carry on their legacy. Will our young Irishman be able to enact his revenge, or will the gates of hell swallow him up whole? I'm James Hockenjoes, and this is The Rewind. Hey guys, this is Jimmy, and you're listening to The Rewind, presented by House of Pads Podcast Network. Your scientists are so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they just got shot, shot, shot. Never tell me the odds. The Rewind. The Rewind. The Rewind. All right, and we're sitting down here. We got uh, Emily Short and Gage Zangi. Uh, Emily, uh, give the people your credentials real quick in the industry. God, um, I graduated with a bachelor's from School of Visual Arts. I have a production company called Tiger Pack Productions, and I've been uh, doing all different types of things in the film industry for years, um, including hair and writing and all that stuff. So it's kind of like a general thing on me. What's up, everybody? Um, I'm an amateur, just an amateur. <laughs> I pick up cameras <laughs> and I shoot people for a living. I, don't <laughs> uh, I work in the industry mainly on commercials. I shoot, light, edit, color, and I, I watch movies a fucking lot. And bachelor's degree as well. And a bachelor's mm-hmm. degree, which doesn't mean anything at all. It really doesn't. <laughs> it literally just means we spend four years in the classroom yeah. learning how to make movies <laughs> and write them. <laughs> I'm just the guy with the microphone. <laughs> That's that's my list of credentials. I'm here yeah. speaking about it because I own the equipment. You have a better reason to be here than we do right now. <laughs> you don't need us for this, but we need you. Well, today we are going to be talking about Gangs of New York, which is one of my favorite films. I think it's one of James's favorite films as well. I don't know about Gage. How do you feel? It was. It, it was. was. Okay. For a long time, it was. And then you know what? I rewatched it for this, and I came out of it with a few disappointments. All right. Oh, I kind of feel like we. I almost want to start with the disappointments, but why don't I start with your score? What's your score on it? If one through five overall, overall, if you were to oh one through five, now I got to break my number in half. Yeah. I was going to ten. No, no, you, okay, no, so no, you carry can, the one. You, yeah, no, it's mm-hmm. a one through five, and like you were, you know. Decimals, decimals are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three point seven five, I think, is where I'm landing. Because I was going like seven and a half. You know what? I can't even do that to it because it is such a good movie. I'll go with the- <laughs> four point two zero. Four point two. That brings us to an eight point four out of ten. Yeah, because it was like high nineties for me, like up until yesterday. That movie was like a solid ninety five out of hundred. And then I got I. I got distracted by some things in it, and that is kind of cranking it down a bit. What distracted you? What what, what brought it down? Honestly, get into there's it. just like some editing things that were like weird that was like, I see other workarounds that you could have done. And the one that gets me the most is that like 
right in the beginning after that big fight, the kid goes and runs off into that fucking yeah. <laughs> it's a, the cave of wonders. Whatever the shit that brewery <laughs> turned into. The, like I literally, it's like a universal ride. Yeah, like absolutely <laughs> insane. Runs through yeah. the doors, and then this other kid wielding a fucking seven foot foot piece of timber swings it at some guy's knees, which like. That was sped up so much and so jarring that I was like, I really wonder what made them say, hey, we have no other work around than to speed this clip up like that much. So I would actually argue that this is probably one of Scorsese's most stylized films. Yes. Um, And like you could clearly say the other one I'd probably say is maybe Shutter Island because it's not his typical like styling in a way. Yeah. It is, but it isn't. And there's certain moments in this film where you're like, oh, that's classic Scorsese or like, oh, that's a classic like homage he likes to do to stuff. Mm -hmm. But in general, it doesn't really scream like a Scorsese film Yeah. as much as like a Goodfellas or another one of his. Well, he's got, I I do put this in the category of like Scorsese, Scorsese films, because then he's got other ones like Silence, Passion of the Christ, uh, that other one. Yeah. It's not like Color of Purple. That was, that was Spielberg. No, yeah. He made some other thing on like a farm. (laughs) You don't remember this? No. Uh, (laughs) What on a farm? My, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did like this one film that was like set in like a southern farm was it color of purple no no that, no, that was, was Spielberg. Spielberg. yeah and it i think tonally it was like the same i think tonally it was the same but in terms of like or am i thinking of the color purple and I Spielberg? Feel like, i feel like you're thinking the color of purple it's cc possibly no and it's I, like the ending with the beautiful coloring oh, and they have the, the gorgeous head wraps on really if i remember the documentary that i saw them talking about this in i'd be like oh okay because somebody it doesn't even, this conversation does not matter if the film is not Scorsese's film. <laughs> well, anyway. So, running it back. So that like weird editing thing was like, that that one, I was kind of like, okay, so there must have been something where that was the best option. Because Thelma Schoonmaker is a phenomenal editor. Yes. And she's been editing every film of his and I love them all. Yes. I love the pacing. I love what she does to, you know, speed up kind of take you through things that don't matter so much like when they're walking through tammany square and the what's his name is just like explaining like oh that's this gang mm-hmm. and that's that gang and those people they just stand at the corner and preach damning true blue america yes yeah. those guys those yeah. motherfuckers yeah so you got that type of pacing and she's like okay this doesn't really matter that much to the story it just shows you like oh it's here's a, the world yeah it's just to see yeah but we're not gonna spend a shit ton of time on it because we already have a lot of time to go yeah. Well, I'm it, one thing I'll tell you is that I when my research I did discover that he actually gave um the cinematographer um Michael Ballas something like Ballhouse, rest yeah. in peace. Um he he gave him a Rembrandt book. Rembrandt book. Oh, a Rembrandt. Yes. And oh, that makes sense. I was yes. looking at it and, and that's I was like, how hey. he said I want the film to look like this. And it was a whole book of all different prints of his. No shit. So yeah, so that I think is in tune to the editing and the stylistic choices made because if I don't know if you studied him at all, um he's Paul House? No, no, remember. Rembrandt. He's odd. He's, he's got odder work. Like it's it, it's very stylized. Like, oh, I just know like prints. the lighting. The Rembrandt lighting with the shadow on the nose. But yeah. I don't know like Yeah. Well, no, because it's else. also like the way he structures his his paintings mm-hmm. and stuff like that and the way he uses um, space and stuff like that. Like there's like, because if, <sighs> he has so many different 
campaigns. It's hard to say. I don't know what exactly yeah. was in that book, but it does to me make a little bit more sense as like what were the choices made. Yeah. Um, but how um like when was your first time really watching this film? I was definitely in college. So at least seven years ago. Seven years ago. Yeah. Good. Probably like seven to eight years ago. Okay. I fucking loved it. It was great. <laughs> I think I watched it. I think I like watched it and then I just restarted it with the commentary on. Which I've only done that with two films, both Scorsese films, actually. I did that with that and Casino. Also, the longest fucking films I could choose to do that to. (laughs) (laughs) What we were saying when we were saying it's a long ass movie. Yeah. And the original cut was what, 336, you said? Yeah. So Is there um, a director's cut out there? No, I don't think it exists. But the original. Okay. So the runtime of this is I was going to put this in the technical stuff, but I'll do it now. The runtime was um, 167 minutes. The original cut was 216 minutes, which ran about um, three and a half hours. Yeah. Um, And then I think if I think if that if he made that now, he would just let it fucking ride. Yeah, I, th- I well, think he'd do that. I think he'd dig deeper into, yeah, especially after that. But I think he did dig deeper into relationships with other characters. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of characters, but you don't really give a shit about any of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Like, yeah. you only really care about, you know, the main three right there, the, that little triangle. But, like, the friend with a scar on his face. Johnny. Johnny. Johnny's like, great. You kind of care. You kind of feel bad for him because he's just, you know, he's trying to get laid and it Johnny's doesn't like happen for him. Johnny's like the little rat of the crew. Like, there's yeah. always that one, like, misfit can never kind of succeed, always feel bad. Yeah. Like, the Eeyore. Yeah. He's like the Eeyore Cutting of the crew. Cutting corners left and right. Yeah. yeah. Doing whatever he yeah. has to do. Like, just desperately wanting to be part of something and yeah. never being able to really do that. It's like the classic yeah. Sad character. It's, <laughs> it's like the sad trope. Well, actually, this film um, was originally supposed to be done in the seventies, late seventies. Wait, what? Yeah, that's how old this film has been. Oh, to be job. made in the yeah, late seventies. So it was a. Um, oh, that would have been dog shit. Well, yeah, no, I think about it now. It makes sense why, why they slated it. Um, yes, yeah, so, again, even in two thousand two, it feels like it could have waited another five years. Yo, imagine imagine that opening fight scene, but in like 07? now. Just think about it in 07. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Like, yeah. Now but, it w- now it wouldn't even be a movie. It would be like a 10-part series on yeah. Netflix and it would be rated R. So yeah, it would, it would be, be rated R that, and there would be much fewer racial slurs. Scene, much fewer <laughs> racial slurs. Much fewer racial slurs, but the entire that fight scene is yeah. not is not 10 minutes. It's it's an it's episode 1. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. They would have gotten the yeah. dude who did yeah. the Battle of the Bastards to come in mm-hmm. and do something dope. But instead, they just had like over cranked shutter speed. It's a very odd faded layout. shots with that weird ambient metal drop D guitar. Yeah. <laughs> Rewatching it. And then that. someone came, their cheek ripped back. The fish hook. It was a lot. That fish hook. <laughs> I never noticed that until yesterday. He like. Dude puts fingers in mouth and rips his cheek off. This <laughs> is the five points. It's Yo, disgusting. It, yes. it, was a, it was a dark place. Yes. Yeah. When I close my hand, it makes a fist. <laughs> <laughs> and I can it's, turn that on you, yeah. Mr. Tweet. Yeah, and dude was just like, Yo, that's, the, that's in my notes. Because <laughs> like they weren't talking about anything bad. <laughs> like the uh, Tam, what, Tweed. Tam- Tweed or Tammy? Uh, well, it's it's, um, it's boss William. Tweed, but he yeah. ran Tammy Hall. Gotcha. Okay, so Tweed was just like, 
Butcher, I hear you, but we're not talking about that. We're just talking about taxpayer dollars. And then goes on to just list things that taxpayers pay for. And he's like, you know, fixing roads, plumbing, police officers, fire department. And the scene just slowly fades out as he's listing municipal responsibilities. <laughs> and it just goes into another scene. I'm like, how long did he go yeah, on? Like, like they're just, just trying to- school systems, healthcare that we want to implement. Sidewalks. <laughs> yeah. My my yeah. fire department, not the other gangs. Yeah, traffic lights. <laughs> yeah. And we're gonna pay firefighters. So yeah, that it's yes. not just another couple of street gangs <laughs> fighting people. Um. So I'm gonna ask James, what was your score on it? Well, when we sat down to watch it, I said it might be. It's gonna be rough. This is the first movie we're doing because it might be a five. It might be a five. And then there was a you point. Well, you can't do a five, and here's why. I think it's about 20 to 35 minutes too long. I think Cameron Diaz, that whole cut, you could cut her out. You could cut her out of the whole movie, and you lose nothing. I think you lose his ability to care for anyone at all. Because he, his whole thing is like, I just like I got sent to this to fucking Roosevelt Island, whatever they called it at the time, Blackwell Island. Hellgate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hellgate at Blackwell. Blackwell. Island, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it, yeah. So he got sent there and then was just kind of like yesing the priests to death the whole time he grew up. And then when he finally got out, I was like, Bible, psh, of course. Yeah, you let me out on good behavior, whatever. Classic Scorsese shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bible. Yeah, the water's the Bible. Hucks the Bible off the bridge. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the water's black for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the River. And then he. <laughs> Even then, it was yeah. a shittle. Even then, yeah. <laughs> actually, probably more so then. People just throw in their shit. There's yeah. no plumbing. He's just no. fucking right in there. So, but, carry four, on. Four six. Four six. I say four six. So ninety two. I say four six. Big fan. That's an A. It, it's in my top ten. And you said college was the first time you saw it. This movie came out in two thousand two. Two thousand two. Yep. So you figure its DVD run is around oh three, right? Oh four, oh three. So I'm anywhere between nine and eleven years old. The first time I saw that movie, specifically like the first half hour, and it got uh, my parents didn't. Let me, my parents made me go upstairs. So like you can't, you can't finish watching this. So I probably wound up finishing it. Closer to be like 12 or 13, but the, I'll never forget the first time I watched this movie. Because only a couple of times my parents had to kick me out of the room for something. <laughs> and it was like that, and then The Sopranos and Nip Tuck. Those yeah. were like the big three that I've ever been kicked out of a room when my parents were going to watch. And that fight, I'll never forget sitting down on the floor watching that fight scene in the beginning. And oh, okay. yeah. Dude, it was lit. <laughs> it was lit. And I remember because I, you know, I would probably 10 so yeah. I, I was confused i'm like they're gangs it's a gang war well how come no one has a gun my dad had to explain to me that it's 1846 or whatever mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that guns weren't really uh they were had yeah yeah <laughs> or Colt, respected samuel colt was in his fucking garage working up something yeah yeah, yeah literally something that would change uh um, change the course yeah. of the Western expansion. <laughs> <laughs> and the names of our football teams. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, in my rewatch, like today, looking at it, like there are a lot of problems with the film. 
Uh, it's not a perfect film. I. It's not even. It's what I would say. It's probably one of Scorsese's best, but it's it's more so because of the content, the actors, like not necessarily because Scorsese directed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, I still love this film, and I actually, I think I rate it like a four point one probably. Um, it is a little too long. I mean, you could tighten up a lot of different stuff. Um, but it it makes sense, like the length. Like I don't I don't really question it. I don't. It's not it doesn't mm-hmm. really bother me. But if someone turns around and say, "Hey, cut this film down to X time," like yeah, I could. I know where I'd cut. I could see where I'd cut and stuff like that. Um, I definitely would probably cut down Cameron Diaz's role a little bit. But the problem is with Cameron Diaz's role is that I think they kind of used it wrong. I think uh-huh. they kind of forced it on you a little bit too much instead of letting it breathe naturally mm-hmm. like it was like oh we need a female lead yeah, for this film exactly, and that's kind of what how that's it exactly played. It. it's like this show that's why i asked you who wrote it because i forgot the writer yeah, so, director that i'm thinking of who's like notorious for just jamming unnecessary women love interests into movies that don't necessarily oh you're talking about them. david fincher yeah, it might be Fincher. Yeah. It might be Fincher, I think actually. The, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> does he do that? Yeah. yeah. It's Fincher. Fincher, yeah. <laughs> Fincher just forces, like, main female love interests into movies that don't need them. Give me one. Social Fuck. Network. Bang. Kate Mara. Yeah. You don't need that at all. I mean, yeah. I mean, okay. Brenda Song played a phenomenal part in that. She, yeah, but she wasn't his her. love interest. No, I know. I'm playing. Yeah. And again, that she was, like, a... a she was a, a fucking real, assault. It was a real, like, <laughs> right at your role. Like, it, she yeah. had no depth to her. her. His female characters tend to have not a lot of growth and not a lot of depth to them. Uh-huh. It tends to be more about this, the, the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very plot-based filmmaker. Like, some, some are character-based filmmakers, yeah. you know? So it's like, that's that's just him. But, I mean... Yeah, you, you, which... You, it, I think that's what surprised me about this film, because it he, Scorsese is a character-based filmmaker... And he just like left some characters to be kind of one dimensional. Which I wonder if you saw the director's cut, if you would still feel that way. I don't think so. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Time doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, I don't get to watch it often because, you know, what you kind of got to plan ahead if you're going to jump into a three hour film. Yeah. So I'm not worried about the time. I feel like it could use more time to develop those characters like Johnny. John C. Riley's character. I don't give a shit. There's um, so many faces that you're he, like, oh, that's that's John C. Riley's, John C. Riley's Happy Jack. Oh, he's such a good actor all around. Um, In this movie, he's incredible specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's plays Happy Jack in this. Um, real quick, I'll go over my um I, when I was a kid, this like obviously 2002 it came mm-hmm. out, so we were kids, and my parents were nuts when it came to content, movies, and television. And my brothers were a lot older than I was, so we I watched this film growing up. Mm-hmm. Like this was talked about in my family. Like Goodfellas was talked about in my family. Um, so I was very involved in filmmaking as a young kid, and this stuff like I was used to it. And then being such a history person, like. I, I love this stuff. Like anything has to do with history and stuff like this, love it. And the fact that Scorsese does kind of in this try to be very accurate to some things mm-hmm. uh, also kind of is awesome because when you read about the five points, like there are accuracies um, towards the ending, which I'll go into this later, but towards the ending with the uh, uh, riots, that stuff really happens, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's kind of interesting that he took a real event and molded it around the story and it actually causes a crazy emotional reaction at the end. Because you don't 
necessarily get that satisfaction that you may have been looking for. Or mm -hmm. you may have. It depends on who you are as a person and an uh, audience member. But um, anyone, do you, either of you have anything else to say real quick about like your backgrounds on the films or your feelings on the films before we go take a quick break? On which films? On, on this film. film. On uh, the film that we're doing a podcast on. <laughs> the, we're gonna, the main film. I thought this whole thing was about the film. This whole thing is about the film, but no, I mean like anything personal that any personal experiences, oh. any personal things you want to say about it before we go take a break and come back with some technical issues. Yeah, no. Technical stuff. Okay. no, James. No, nah, just it definitely still after the rewatch, it's in my top 10. Oh, it's, it's still, yeah. It's, there's just a lot of incredible things that we'll get into. Daniel Day-Lewis is throwing heat the whole fucking movie. <laughs> yeah. Insane. He's throwing the heat. best actor. Liam Neeson <laughs> throws is he's just throwing 101 miles an hour for 20 pitches. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in and out. I'm striking yeah. out three batters. Yeah, and I'm out. And, <laughs> but we'll get into all that. I'm I I love this movie. We're gonna take a break and we'll be right back. Are you ready to experience the dark and macabre? Look no further than Tiger Pack Productions. Tiger Pack Productions, independent film company by our friends Emily and Vincent. They started back in 2018. They've done a few short films, The Attack and Flora's Daughter. Award-winning at dozens of festivals. This company's on the rise. They're just getting started. So why don't you guys give them a follow on their Instagram and Facebook at Tiger Pack Productions. And uh, go to their website, www.tigerpackproductions.com and see their entire catalog of products and what they offer. They're really cool people. You should check them out. All right, we're back. We're going to dive deep into the technical aspects of this film. But before we get into that, Emily's going to hit us with some quick facts. Okay, so um, this was directed by Martin Scorsese. Uh, it was written by Jay Cox, who's worked with Scorsese a lot um, on stories and stuff like that. Uh, Steven Zillian and Kenneth Lang Langer. I'm not even sure how to pronounce that. Probably screw that up. It's okay. Um, the release date was December 20th, 2002. The cinematographer was Michael Bullhouse. Um, the cast was Leonardo DiCaprio as Amsterdam uh, Valen, Daniel Day-Lewis as Bill the Butcher Cutting, uh, Jim Broadbent as Boss Tweed, John C. Riley as Happy Jack, Henry Thomas as John uh, Johnny, Liam Neeson as Priest Valen, and Brendan Gleeson as Walter Monk uh, McGinn. Um... You think you know where it was filmed? Definitely somewhere in Croatia. No. Big tax breaks in Croatia. Yeah. No, I have no idea. I have no um, idea what tax breaks are. Yeah, the absolute irony of this film, if it was filmed in Ireland, would be through the I was going to say Ireland at first. I was like, that's too obvious. No, no, no. It was filmed in uh, Italy and Queens, New York. Italy and Queens. Uh, most of it was filmed in Italy. Oh. Uh, Rome, specifically. Um, and then... Uh, the spaghetti gangster. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I think it was mostly filmed, I think, on studios, studio lots and stuff like that. They yeah. built out the lots for um, of the Five Points and stuff like that. I think it was a couple miles they actually built out. Um, really big sets. Um, budget? $232 million. No. This is 2002. <laughs> $202 million. <No. laughs> Do you, you think you have a guess? $79 million. No, well, you, you'd win because uh, it's $100 million. Oh, just flat out? They're yeah. just like rounded well, up to okay, an even so hundred. Yeah, was, give it a quick it actually, full $100 million. It was lower. It was about, I think, $87 million. And um, obviously, of course, it went up to about $100 million, And it got to the point where Leonardo DiCaprio and Scorsese took uh, salary cuts to keep the budget down. 
So yeah, it it was a very expensive film. Um, uh, Diaz was pissed because she was only contracted, I think, for six or seven weeks and ended up being on set for like six months. Um, Mm. So it it was one of those like crazy films. Have Uh, we not learned yet? You just need more (laughs) than what you think. There should be an algorithm in your little Excel sheet, because I know you use Excel sheets to do this. And it's just at the bottom, total times 2.5. Well, it's like in sales. And that's, <laughs> that's how much well, it'll actually and cost. No, no less. <laughs> yeah. No less than this. Well, it's like in sales, you know, because you have your number you know you could hit. You yeah. have the number that corporate wants you to hit. And you know you're going to reach somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So Scorsese probably turned around and was like 200 million. And the studio was like 80 million. And they like agreed on like 87 million. And yeah. then Scorsese was like, well. Was like, well, I told you. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> I told you I wasn't going to hit that number. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so do you. Uh, Worldwide gross uh, cumulative was 194 million. So in reality, really was not profitable. No. It really did not do very well worldwide. Um, I don't know what the DVD sales or like um, at home video sales were or anything like that, but that's. Um, I'm sure it crushed DVD sales. I'm, I'm yeah. sure, I'm yeah. sure it crushed DVD Especially sales. like when Blu-ray came out, like HD, that was a film a lot of people ran to get because well, it even was like- just beautiful shot. The movie came out right around the time where DVDs were like everybody had a DVD player and it was like everyone went out and like, you know, what are the first five DVDs you're going to get? Gangs in New York might be on that list. Yeah. Um, Shot on. What do you think of Shot on? Panaflex. No, um, close. It was an Ari Flex. 235. No, Ari Flex. Yeah, yeah. 235. Uh, I don't know that one. Yeah. Um, there was, I Probably. think there was four or five different ones that they oh. used. They were all Ari Flexes. Yeah, but the, yeah. Okay. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you. It's, it, if you Google, it'll come right up. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, it's kind of makes sense. Um, I think Ari's are pretty standard. Even now, still, they're pretty standard. Yeah, you're kind of going between that or Panavision yeah. when you're shooting film. Yeah. Um, and of course, obviously, we all know Scorsese is notorious for film, but this was 2002 and digital was not what it is now. Um, so some technical things about the film, uh, there actually were real gangs, um, the Dead Rabbits, the Billy Boys, the Pug Uglies, 40 Thieves, all real gangs, the Bowery Boy was a real gang. Um, some of the real people, Hellcat Maggie, she's in the beginning, she's one of the files with teeth and she got the claws. Mm-hmm. You see her throughout the film. She was a real person. Um, I think she died about, she was only like 25 when she died, but she like, she was a big person in the Five Points, Irish. Um, in real life, she was only 25. In real life, she died okay. about 25, yeah. Because she, she had to be like 30-something in this movie. Yeah, I, this uh, that's not accurate. But well, the yeah, person... Because the first time you saw her, and then it was 16 years later, yeah. she was still... Yeah, so if she was 16 in the beginning, and taking years. you know, like... Yeah, she'd yeah. be well over. Paying well for a shot age. out of the all sorts thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, so the uh, fun, like some fun little things was... Uh, the natives, they called themselves the natives. They were obviously were not natives, but they were like the native uh, Protestants of the of New York. And um, they kind of felt they ruled New York because they were born there. Their yeah. parents were this is our land. This is, yeah, they had that real like rah, rah. Yeah, our that world. MAGA thing. Yeah, that MAGA thing going on. <laughs> um, yeah, this film kind of is a real mirror when you look at it sometimes. Um, but uh, they were mostly English immigrants. Um, like born from English immigrants um, mm-hmm. 
they hated the Irish when they're coming over. The Irish started coming over to New York in droves about right around the 1940s, which is when the potato famine began in Ireland uh, and sending them over because they had no food. And right away they were just the 1840s. The 1840s, sorry. Did I say mm-hmm. 1940s? Yeah. No, well. Just say 1940s. Uh, no, sorry. The 1840s. Different, different immigrants by that point. Much different immigrants at that point. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that on another film. Uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so, like, quick little facts would be like uh, the upper middle class really did travel down to the five points in these like field trip type things. Uh, Walt Whitman was someone who went down, Mark Twain was someone who actually went to visit the five points. Um, they had, you know, uh, the, just to be like, hey, look, yeah, just literally, glad I don't live here. Literally, it was like going to the zoo. <laughs> it was really like they would go with the police, um, and the police would escort well, them and they would go around yeah. and look around at people. Yeah, it was crazy that, you know, and <laughs> that's where our country comes from. Um, America, baby. Uh, a lot of the Irish did actually end up going into the uh, Civil War because when they got off the boats, they were handed money and told, here is your Yo, car. that was You're such a in. cool sequence. Yeah, they that were, sequence they were also, was... They were also given papers and told to sign to come into the country and they didn't really speak English. Yes. And so they just didn't know what they were signing. Yes. Yeah. A lot of times. Yes. I mean, that, that sequence starts American with... Way, maybe. Yeah. yeah. That, that thing starts with the dude being like, and this paper declares your citizenship, and this one yes. uh, enlists you in the private, army. Makes yeah. you a private in the Union Army. And yeah. That, and that, yeah. that really did happen. It was like, one, two, go off, get outfitted. Yep. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't even, and then they're getting online, and he's like, when are they going to feed us? And then the fucking coffin comes off and gets planted, and I was like, that's such a good yeah. one shot right there. Yeah, and it really does give you a sense of, like, the world that they're living in at this moment, and it was like that. Um uh, do, 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 do. I don't even know where I was. Oh, the fire scene. So the fire scene is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire film because it's so accurate. So when fires would happen in the five points during this time period, there was fire brigades run by the gangs, the Billy Boys and all these people. So as soon as the fire would start, one of the gang members would run, hide the fire hydrant like you actually see the guy do. Mm-hmm. So then the other team would come and be like, where's the fire hydrant? While this other crew is getting ready to find another fire hydrant. So they're finding the fire. Then they start finding each other. And because <laughs> the cops were Irish and they hated the Irish, when the cops came in, they'd all start finding the cops. So the houses would just keep burning. And people would be stealing the houses. So that actually did happen. That was real um, accurate to the times. And things like uh, Boss Tweed and Tammy Hall was a real person and things like that, too. In the movie, it's hysterical when they're at the the whole fire scene's happening. And then because of all the ruckus that's going on with the cops and the two fire brigades fighting each other, by the time uh, Billy shows up, they pretty much looted the house on fire. So he just goes... Fucking loot that one. Yeah. It's like, there's nothing wrong with my house. Yeah, yeah. things this like my that. House. Yeah. <laughs> this is my house. <laughs> what are you doing? This is my house. This, I live here. It's not on fire. Yeah. This, this one's perfectly fine. And it gets decked. Yeah. yeah. That, stuff like that really did happen. Slugged in the mouth, and now we're going to take all your nice stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope you only have wooden spoons. Because <laughs> if you have metal spoons, we're taking them. It was a bit of a wild time. It was a bit of a wild time down in Chinatown, which is now what modern day five points are. Um, That was a question. That was a question I had. Yeah, it it is based. uh, It was uh, Chinatown pretty much. So the streets, I actually have them. It's uh, Baxter Street, uh, Bayard Street, um, North Cross Street, which was changed to Park Street in 1854. 
uh, Orange Street, which was changed to Baxter Street, uh, also 1954, and Mulberry Street. And then there's the Bend. And so that would be the five points that is in modern-day Chinatown, um, which is still obviously there because it's built into our landscape. Imagine if Five Corners in Ronkonkoma was late in the 1800s. Oh, it? like that. Uh, that's our little five points. It's the yeah. same kind of deal without a town square. Yeah. It's true. It's true. It's we don't have Paradise deal. Square. If you just knock down that Joe's Coffee place and put Paradise Square there, that's yeah. fucking the five points, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of dope heads. Yeah. yeah. A lot of- <laughs> yeah. Instead of fighting over supremacy, they're just fighting over that fucking perk that somebody left yeah, in the parking lot. Yeah, a little bit of OxyCon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so <laughs> Shout the, out Five Corners. <laughs> five, five Corners, Ron Kakuma. So uh, Dead Bright Abbots in Gaelic actually means man to be feared. Um, that's part of the reason that they were called that. Um, Wait. In Gaelic. It's... In Gaelic, the... the dead rabbits. The, the mouth sound, dead rabbits. Mm. How do yeah. you say rabbits? I, I couldn't tell you that. I don't think they're like, that's what it told me on the internet. Oh, well, shit fire. <laughs> like when I did my research. Um, uh, I also found out that De Niro actually recommended Leo to Scorsese for this. Um, oh, because he worked with him on... The Boy's Life. Yeah. 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 And he, he's... Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, Leo's already a pretty uh, well-known act, young actor at this point because he already done uh, What's He in Gilbert yeah. Grape, The Basketball Diaries, Grape, Titanic. Basketball Diaries, Titanic. Mm-hmm. And he had done Romeo Be- and Juliet. Yeah, yep, that was yeah. 96. So, um, and the other thing... So, Leo, too, already a young stick man at this point, but it's his yeah. first team up with Scorsese. Yes. Yeah. And then that spent... Um, that they're still working together now. I mean, it really ran like 10, 10 years that they had... A, couple films in there a while uh yeah a while a while as real a while um so bill the butcher was based on a real person named william Poole. um obviously timing of the film was a little inaccurate to when william Poole lived but he was known as the butcher of the five points mm-hmm. and was a massive gang boss uh during that time uh scorsese ended up hiring a magician to teach diaz how to pickpocket and <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis stayed so in character because he's such a method actor that he freaked out uh, waitresses and got into fights in parking lots in Rome. Whoa, <laughs> nice job, Billy. <laughs> I actually yeah, had a professor who was friends with his wife, and uh, this was during when he was filming Lincoln, or maybe Lincoln had just come out, and she said that uh, she called her and was like, "How uh, how's everything going? How's Daniel? And she goes, I am really getting tired of living with Abraham Lincoln. And my only uh, question to her was, what was it like living with Bill the Butcher? <laughs> <laughs> so Yo, what was the irony that he... Uh, in his first scene, throws a knife at a picture of Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's yeah. probably, yeah, it, it is. It's well, because very he interesting. Was, uh, mm-hmm. The character, not a fan of, of Abraham Lincoln. Oh, I get that. Yeah, but yeah. then to play Abraham yeah, Lincoln yeah, later. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which you I wouldn't about even that tell. Too mm-hmm. When I saw it this morning. Yeah. Honestly, he's such like a method actor that sometimes you can't even tell that it's the same. No, person. him and Gary, Gary Oldman yeah. are those guys mm-hmm. to me. It's yeah. like you got you are so beyond the like beyond good at the craft yeah. that we don't even know. Yeah. Sometimes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much most of like my notes that I had. I mean, it, this the uh, this was originally come up in like about 1978 when Scorsese read um, a book by the same name and also read a book on the five points. And then he called um uh, who was his name? Um, Jay Cox and said, I want to make a movie based around this. And so the two of them started working on it then. And originally De Niro was uh, slated for 
I think Bill the Butcher was. That would have not been as cool. Yeah, I don't know. Well, there is a <laughs> couple. Like, I mean, Dan it might Aykroyd too. Yeah, there was a rumor that Dan Aykroyd and Belushi were like, supposed to be. Belushi was supposed to do Bill the Butcher. I don't know how accurate that was, though. I don't. I didn't really find too much research when I looked more into it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was another rumor that Dan Aykroyd was supposed to be uh, Amsterdam and Belushi would have been Bill the Butcher. Wait, Belushi like John? Yeah, John Belushi. That would have been odd. Yeah, like it probably no. would have been a big breakaway for them for to get out of comedy. Yeah, like that's honestly why I when I read that that's immediately interesting that it was because it was that time seventy eight so it was right after I mean they might have still been on SNL they probably were just off of SNL at that point so it would have been a breakaway movie from comedy huh. if they did that uh, but it he'd got, probably still be alive Scorsese he, killed John Belushi. I don't know. It, it might have been the first. studios. <laughs> I, I might say the studios. Take it easy. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's that's pretty much it. I mean, it's uh, there's it's it's pretty accurate. If you read more into it, it's kind of crazy what was going on during that time period and stuff like that with the riots and stuff. And uh, that's another thing I forgot was the riots really were crazy like that. Yeah. Um, and it's very interesting how he he took real history to put it into his own story and use that almost as a in itself a character in itself to or in like an obstacle for this main character mm-hmm. for and like the audience to kind of be like oh well yeah <laughs> i guess that's how it ends <laughs> like, i can't stop thinking about you know. de niro in that role right now it's like you know you got to sleep with one eye open and only got one eye so you know oh <laughs> 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 man i'll be damn and he's square in his blood Two coats. <laughs> it's. <laughs> I can't. Do I killed the father, then the son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I, honestly, I can't picture anyone else but Daniel Day Lewis in this role. If I'm being real, like there is no one else in my mind. How about I trim the ears? <laughs> and the beak off that head. <laughs> Make a soup out of that head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, could find a better head than that, Bill. Such a quotable fucking movie. It's pretty good. There's so many great lines in this movie. Um, so, we'll get to that, though. Yeah. We'll get to that. She um, is a prim-looking stargazer. Prim-looking stargazer. <laughs> and, like, is that now is that, like, a modest compliment? Or, like, if Emily heard you call her a prim-gazing star, uh, prim, prim-looking, prim-looking stargazer. stargazer, like, would you basically just call her a thotamus? Like, what, you know? Like, <laughs> is it a, was it a term of endearment? Yeah. Are you, are you a nasty fuck? Yeah, are I, you a creep? I can't tell. I can't tell. I is think you're right. from Johnny, it's a term of endearment. I think no, that was from uh Was that Amsterdam. from Amsterdam? Amsterdam? Amsterdam. I, yeah. Oh, I thought Johnny said, oh, No, because it was his first time seeing her. No, that's and right. He was that's like, right. yo, right, right. she fine. Yeah, maybe yeah. it wasn't a term of endearment. Shorty bad. No, yeah. I think it was, no, I think it was, I think it was good, but like, it was a positive thing, but was it creepy? It might have been like calling her sexy. Yeah. Like modern day sexy where it's like, it depends like, on the girl. Damn, Some girl damn, might be okay with that. Damn, Some, babe. Yeah. yeah you know? I'd like to turn you into hey, a toaster. How you get all that and all of them pants? I think one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> oh, girl, you shit with that ass? <laughs> oh. Yeah. Damn, girl. So let's get right into it. We're going we're gonna to talk about the script and the, and the pacing of the film. And uh, we're going to go to Gage first. Gage, how do, you, how do you feel about the way it was written and paced? We already got into it a little bit about how it's a little long. We did. I disagree with the wrong sentiment, uh, the long sentiment. I think I'm not bothered when watching the film. I'm never like, when is this going to end? I want to go do something else. Every scene, pretty engaging. You know, 
So the length doesn't bother me. I, in fact, think they could have used that time and maybe even a little bit more to start hammering some other characters in like Johnny. Johnny, you could have felt for him. Yeah. A little more than you did. Yeah, yeah that, I agree with that. That death doesn't hold the weight that it should have. Yeah. At the end of that movie. And for and part of it's kind of like you deserved it. Well, yeah. I think I the can't reason. Be the only one well, I mean, the because la- the last thing he did before that was like a shitty fucking move. That's the whole reason yeah. he got killed. That's why yeah. he got killed. Yeah. He really got killed because Bill Butcher saw that he was he was non-loyal to anyone. Yeah. Because honestly, if if he showed that he was loyal to the dead rabbits, like, yeah, he would have had a target on his back, but it may have not been. But not like as, that. but like, the same as everybody else. Right. Exactly. Like the way he got killed is like, that's the way. Yeah. Like, But now he's a sneak thief and a dishonorable man. Exactly. Exactly. But I think that scene, I think the reason it, it you can get emotional, because I mean, I get emotional from that scene, but it's more because of Leo's performance than it necessarily is our connection to Johnny. Um, and I think, honestly, I'd, I'd be curious to see the uh, director's cuts to see how Johnny is played out. And so the same Cameron Diaz is played out in that. Um, and see if they're like a little more hearty, I guess we could say. Yeah. <laughs> like, like imagine Cameron Diaz was more into Johnny and like took that dance with Johnny. And like had some more. scenes like where they're having a thing. But then she's also kind of like, oh, but Leo, too. He's like mysterious. And then. Like just that little build up, meeting that point, I feel but would have hit harder just than just like, is. oh, this kid has a crush. The the girl is a streetwalker. The girl is a streetwalker and a turtle dove. <laughs> so I mean, who cares who she's into? That's I I feel very who cares about the whole Cameron Diaz role. Hmm. I feel that, and that whole part, I was leading up until when they were going about to do the dance and that whole segment where I got up to go to the bathroom and she asked me if I wanted to pause it. And I'm like, honestly, no. I feel like the next 20 to 30 minutes of this movie could be gone. You could just lop it off. Like, oh, just the. At the point in the movie when they're fucking. At, when they're doing the dance and then when they're banging and then he's fucking sitting there and, he quite, and he, you know, giving him the whole speech about how he doesn't sleep. Oh, no, that is the best scene in the movie. Do you think so? When Bill the Butcher is just sitting there. Imagine opening your eyes and then just man with one eye, an eagle on the other one, draped over him, an American flag. He had just been shot like three hours prior. Yeah. <laughs> and he's staring at you waiting to talk. After you just, <laughs> after you just shared a bed with his girl. Yeah. With his favorite girl. And then he compliments you on it. Wow, wowie, wow. Wowie. All right, sorry about that. We had some uh, some dogs barking going on where we're recording right now, so we took a quick break. We're going to come right back. We're talking about the scene <laughs> when he just got <laughs> shot and he's draped in the American flag, creeping out on uh, Amsterdam, making love to Cameron Diaz. Gage, take it away. This man leaves it all out on the celluloid. This whole fucking movie. He, <laughs> I mean, he does it in every movie, but I don't, just some about their relationship in that scene where Leo is clearly like, I, like you're the last person I fucking want to talk to right now. And you're kind of hitting me at a vulnerable time when I'm already <laughs> vulnerable and <laughs> now I'm naked. I think it's a interesting scene too because it's that point where Bill is starting to kind of figure out who Amsterdam really is. 
Um, and not necessarily that he knows for a fact that he is. Does he? Did Johnny tell him before? No, him? no it's after that scene, right? That yeah, it's him? after. Yeah. Um, so it's like he doesn't necessarily fully know, but he knows. Like he knows. That no, that's guys. like the closest they are at all in the whole movie. Yeah. And then it all goes moment. downhill. Yeah. I don't know that because th- this thing about no, Bill Butcher. It's right after he saved his life. Yeah, but here's the thing: like Bill, Bill is that type of villain that is always waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's how he wins because he knows that you're going to come after him at some point. He knows he's the most powerful person in the city, so he always it's like keep your friends closer, your enemies closer, and it's that kind of moment where yeah, he is he's expressing gratitude and thanks. But what's behind that? Because I don't think it's true. I don't think it's genuine what he's saying. Yeah, because I guess Amsterdam was kind of weird when all the strippers were down there and they're like kind of chilling. And yeah. he's just getting like hammered. Yeah. And that's like, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like there's so, like you already know. Because the thing is, Amsterdam right after that, he has that moment of like a breakdown because he's like, I just saved this guy's life and I could have been done with. Like, yeah. It could have been over. And that's when... um. Uh, the monk monk comes over and kind of mm. grabs him. Like, that was bloody Shakespeare. Yeah. He's like, you know, Shakespeare's boy. wrote <laughs> the King James Bible. Um, and he says that great line that, um, I think I wrote it down, actually. Um, if you're not, uh, it's, uh, if you're not going to be strong, you better be smart. It's like that old Irish saying. And that's that kind of moment of like, yo, I know who you are. Everyone's kind of figuring you out at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, you look like your father. That you are your father. You act like your father. And yeah. it's like, even though he didn't grow up with his father, you can't, you, it's like you can't change your lineage. Like you, mm. you will show those characteristics. And it's like. And his face is like everywhere. Yeah. And everyone knows who Priest Valon was. I mean, they celebrate uh-huh. the day the natives won back the land. Like it's a whole thing. So yeah. it's kind of, I mean, that's kind of one of the writing things too, where it's like, I mean, they did a pretty good job. You don't really question why they don't recognize him because it's also been 16 years. I mean, he's hardened by being in an orphanage, but it is kind of a little writing thing where you're like, mm, mm-hmm. you know, could, could people that really knew him, like the cop, and uh, like um, yeah. Happy Jack. Well, I mean, all, all, Monk, of, all the Hel- majors, yeah. Yeah, Hellcat Maggie. They, these were like aunts and uncles to this kid. So would you really, really not recognize him? Like... I don't think I would. I don't think I'd recognize a yeah, fucking child. Yeah, you, saw the, you saw the last time you saw the kid, he was four. Yeah, and now, now he's, he's twenty. Now he's twenty. Yeah, now he's twenty. No, I mean, I get. No, that's what I'm saying. I don't really question and it. Also, it's possible. It's, it's the 1860s. And people are dumb. There's not really pictures. <laughs> no. So that kid is a that kid is a memory from 16 years ago. Yeah, to but, you. but Johnny and has. Over- he also says it in the beginning that he picks up accents from up the river. And even though they don't sound much different from regular, from even though all the New oh, York accents, they all sound the same. Even though these all yeah. the New York accents don't sound much different from each other, anything outside of fucking centrally where like the five points all sounds like you're Irish off the boat right. to them. So, I mean, you know, it's 1863. It's not 2020. Obviously, now, if you had a nephew, if you didn't see Mason for 16 years, you bumped into him 16 years later, you'd probably figure it out after a month or two. I'd probably but, figure out pretty quick because he yeah. looks exactly like my brother. But there's a million pictures of it. Yeah. That, okay, he looks exactly like your that's brother. What I'm that's Yeah. Like that that's but, my point, is that it like they kind of infer like the reason Monk was able to figure it out was because of 
what he was doing. So as I'm saying, if Monk, who was someone that wasn't as close as Happy Jack or Hellcat Maggie can kind of figure it out. Yeah, but Hellcat Maggie's a drunk. I'm not, I know, so she, I'm not I think saying. only Monk figured it out. Only Monk figured and, it out. But he and figured it out from the jump. And then he, he figured out. And that's the only reason why he was able to tell what he was doing, because he was like, why would you be back here otherwise? No. Yeah. I mean, I'm not so saying like it. I personally, it doesn't bother me. I think it's explained enough, but I do think that that's something that could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a little like there's some things like with the writing, too, where it's um, it's like I again, I go back to being I wish I could see the original. Because I wonder how much was actually cut up by like the studio and time constraints and stuff like that. Because how come Maggie's in it a decent amount not to have much character to her? Yeah. Like she's in it. Like the, how many more scenes do you have? Same with I feel like um, Happy Jack. I kind of feel like is established because he's the cop and stuff like that. But like his friends, like there's a lot. Of, the bald dude, whatever his name characters. is. What's the bald dude? Oh, Who got uh, um, nearly fish hooked. Oh, I forgot his name. McGoin. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, a great he, scene. The 50 he gets, cups. <laughs> he gets fucking lit up by the firing squad at the end of the movie. Yeah, that's, that's a great scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't remember that. Oh, end, it's great. Yeah, he at the end. After During the, the riots. After the, when they're trying to have the fight and the riots happen, uh-huh. all the cannonballs start blowing off and then the riot control cops show up. He's fucking running through the cloud of smoke and unknowingly into a fucking squad of riot control yeah. cops. And they all just firing squad style light them up. Wait, so I only watched up to um, the scene where Butcher's draped over with the flag this time around. Why did the boats come again? Was that the it Confederacy? Was the, it was the riots. It was the riots. And so that was just like the, to put the, the National Guard? They were just putting the riots. Down. Yeah, it was the Union oh. Army. They, so the Union Army was getting prepared to ship off. Yeah. And, the and then they're like, started. that's fucked. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> Point much. Point the so, that way. Yeah, they so literally pr- say, put the riot down first. Don't worry. Like, take prisoners second. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we always had a real, uh, we have a real great history of handling riots and stuff like that always. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> we've always been real good at it. It's on brand. Uh, yeah, right on brand. America. <laughs> um, yeah, no. So what happened was the, uh, the Irish immigrants started getting pissed about, um, um, the, this possible draft and being kind of forced into the army and why aren't the natives being forced in? And then this draft actually did come into effect and the Irish immigrants kind of stood up and said no. And the natives said, well, you came to this country, so you are going to fight for it. And mm-hmm. it was a whole big thing. And uh, it, it did take, a, it, a lot of people died. A lot of people died during that riot. Um, the union didn't ship off. They ended up turning around and going to the cities and trying to disarm them. And I think it took about a week to fully disarm the, the mob. Mm. Um, and the ships came back and were blowing up cannons. And it was great. It was a great mm. time in the 1860s. Good. <laughs> you know? Good. <laughs> we're, we're real, real good with riots. We really know how to handle them well. So we we lightly, not lightly, we touched on this a lot with the cast. Anything any either of you wanted to add, casting, anyone you would recast, I... I'm perfectly happy with the way this movie came out. I wouldn't really re- want to recast anybody. Liam Neeson. No. No, 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 no. I mean, good, good Liam home Neeson. Run. Home run. Big thumbs up. Prepare to receive the so- true lord. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Liam Neeson was actually supposed to be cast as Monk, and he asked to be cast as Priest Valen. 
He was like, I don't want to. Yeah, he didn't want to be mocked. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I want to be in. I don't want to go to Italy. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be in and out shooting. Yeah. three weeks. I'm not trying yeah. to be in Italy um, that long. My argument about uh, Daniel Day Lewis is that if you don't have Daniel Day Lewis as Bill the Butcher, I think that Leo is the the whole movie. I think he's a scene stealer. I think we don't talk about Leo enough because Daniel Day Lewis is that good. Like we, yeah. Leo, Leo is in f- fantastic in this movie. His acting is phenomenal. I mean, a, like the whole Johnny scene. The reason that personally to me, you feel any type of emotion is because of Leo. Leo carries the entire Cameron Diaz bullshit. Like I don't feel like they had any chemistry, the two of them. No. The whole thing, the whole dynamic of it. I understand your point. I think you just don't like Cameron Diaz. No, I got no problem with Cameron Diaz, dude. I have a problem with Jenny uh, Everdeen or whatever the fuck her name is. Oh. I think the whole thing was pretty much useless. I think, but I think if you you might be able to get someone in there who had more chemistry with Leo, and then maybe I might give a shit. I don't even care. You could have killed her at the end of the movie. It wouldn't have made any difference to me. There was a whole lot of names running around for her character. There, I can't even sh- tell there you had to have been somebody, somebody around that time, around that age, who would have had more chemistry with Leo. Kate Blanchett. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Kate Winslet too. Oh, that's what I meant. Oh, yeah, yeah I was yeah. gonna say Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet they're the very Kate. good friends. They're very, very good friends. Um, okay, what's next, babe? Cinematography. Love it. <laughs> Michael Ballhouse. Um dope film cinematographer. I loved I mean this scene had so many dark spots, nighttime interiors exteriors so much like dynamic range in all the shots and just like beautifully used all the candle lighting too Mm. to do just like natural practicals you know it i like him a lot i liked his work in goodfellas more i think but i think that's scorsese's fault they He works with three cinematographers, and that's Michael Ballhouse, Robert Richardson, and Rodrigo Prieto, the guy who did he did Irishman and Wolf of Wall Street. Um, I I think I can't pronounce his name, so yeah, (laughs) I think that's right. Um, I think with the cinematography and this, like, I do have a couple issues. Like the fight scene at the beginning to me is a little much, not much, but it's it's odd. It's very stylistic. Um, I, you, you almost want to, for me personally, like I almost want to sit on certain moments a little more. Yeah. Um, like the, like his, uh, the priest's whole death scene, like it's real quick. It's real. Like you just, you see his face die. Like you don't see anything else, but yet you're seeing people getting their head smashed in and all this stuff. So it's like, it's odd choices that they had. Um, yeah. they did the, that break, that like shell shock thing, mm-hmm. but just like throughout the whole fight scene. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be like, a, oh, this is shocking to the kid. Like this is like everything's kind of just a blur and I just see blood being spilt and people dying. That's interesting. I think that's kind of what they were going for there. Yeah. That more makes so sense. than like an epic battle. Yeah. I just want an epic battle because who doesn't love a good epic battle? Especially because you. Oh, it's totally. still an incredible scene. Oh, it's fantastic. It's still yeah. amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. And when she pulls up the ear, she's all excited. Like, yeah. I love that. <laughs> Cuts you know? his ear off. Yeah. Ears and noses are the prizes of the day. <laughs> Ears and noses may be the prizes of today, but no hand shall touch this man. 
This man over. shall cross over whole. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I Not love until it. I get what's mine. Yeah, a bit indecent, but fair. <laughs> a bit indecent, but fair. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I love the cinematography. I love... Um, I really love the scene when he's following her in the trolley and stuff like that. That you see the whole like the whole turtle dove thing when she's crossing through the house. And it's kind of in the windows, and yeah. I, it's just it's really smart um, cinematography. It's really smart shots um, when he chooses to linger on someone versus when he doesn't. It's all very interesting. Um, and like I brought up earlier with the whole um, remember Rembrandt book. Uh, that Scorsese really had a very stylistic feeling for this film mm -hmm. walking into it that um, he, Michael uh, Ballhouse clearly had to uh, keep up with. I feel like they didn't really play into too much how much danger Amsterdam was in. They kind of always played um, Cameron Diaz, Leo, and Butcher as like equals in shots yes there were never there was never like this guy owns the framing he has all the power i mean butcher was center framed a lot but mostly in like a public setting just to be like hey he's the man yeah i honestly i kind of feel like that was probably done on purpose because the whole point is that he is an ordinary guy and he kind of wants to be perceived as this ordinary guy but he, he steals the scene every time he's there. You don't need to center on Danny Lewis because he steals the scene no matter what. No matter If he's on that scene, you're yeah. staring at him. Even if Leo's talking, you're staring at him yeah. because he's just that good. So I part that didn't really bother me as much. Like I didn't like I didn't even think about it honestly because I no think it wasn't bothered. It's just something I pick up on yeah. when watching any given film. Like Goodfellas has a lot of that. Like. Paulie is typically much bigger than everybody in any given scene, not just because he's a big guy, but just the way they shoot him. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of like Henry Hill when uh, De Niro and Pesci are talking and Henry Hill's listening in. He's always like behind somebody mm -hmm. like he's blocked in the frame and sometimes a little bit out of focus. Um, but there wasn't really much of that in this. I feel like this was kind of shot like a play. I think it's shot like a painting. I think every shot's like a painting. Okay. Yeah, that's I think where the remembrance comes in. Yeah, that it's it's because it's. I think it's meant for your eye to look at the entire scene. Mm -hmm. That because think about it, well, as filmmakers, when we do something like that, when we put a lighting a certain way or station a shot a certain way to in like to make the character imposing or whatever, it's like mm -hmm. we're kind of telling the audience what they should be feeling. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of saying, hey, this person is a imposing character on this character or this person is uh, scary or the villain or whatever. And mm -hmm. we kind of do this um, thing that I, it, sometimes is subconscious that we just think it's stylistic, but it actually, in a way, is leading the audience to go, oh, I'm not supposed to like this guy or, oh, this guy's supposed to be scary. And whether it's subconscious or not, mm -hmm. some people recognize it, some people don't. Yeah. But they didn't do that in this. And I think it leads the audience to decipher for themselves who the villain is. I guess there's some of that. There's some semblance of like, oh, we want like, we want realism in this. Yeah. We want to put people in this time. Also, I mean, I might be thinking into it too much, but there's that whole racial motif coming in so maybe they're just doing like everyone's an equal like just like this is really the way of the world we're not gonna like 
make anybody seem more powerful, less powerful, evil, good. We're just going to let it play out. Yeah, which is kind of like how the five points were because, yeah, you did have your powerful figures. I mean, you had like your um, William Poole and your leaders of the gangs, but it was all run by the gangs. Yeah. And the gangs, they fought each other because they thought they were equals. They were like, you're not better than me just because you're a native or I'm an immigrant or whatever. So I think in a way, like it, it does go back to that realism that they just tried to be as real as possible to this time period, which was that if you lived in the five points, you were scum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you were the bottom of the barrel. Mm -hmm. um, and even though, even the butcher, even though he is this imposing figure, he's still a nobody when he walks down the street of Fifth Avenue. Yeah. You know, he's still looked at as scum. And even though, like, even when these people come in and he tries to like step up and be like, oh, well, you know, we'll protect you. And the cop's like, I'll do that. Mm -hmm. You're a nobody. Mm -hmm. To them, he is. So I think it's very interesting choices that I think, I don't think Scorsese does anything by accident mm -hmm. like i think that everything is a choice with him yeah you know by the way monk getting thwacked the way they did that in just like a shot and like here it is and didn't fucking cut in for anything like he does that often and i really like yeah i really like it. and <laughs> i liked it in the irish I, I liked it in the irishman i liked it when henry hill was walking up the driveway and just fucking hit that dude with the butt end of a gun <laughs> <laughs> like, just show me what's good. Costuming and scenery. I know that you had a little fun fact you wanted to share with us about this. Oh, yes. Please. Yeah. So I found out when I was watching Dunkirk that a lot of the uh, historical films that are made, um, they actually do put a bit of modern um, uh, stemming, like streaming, streaming, that's not the right word, um, seeming, <laughs> a bit of modern seeming and a bit of modern looks into the fashion so that audiences can connect with it easier. Oh. So in Dunkirk, they did this, and I know I noticed it a little bit in Ga um, Game of Thrones, uh, Gains in New York, where it's, there's a little, it's not all 1860s. It, it, yeah. Some of it's a little well, later, some of it's a little it earlier. You can tell it in the pants. You can tell of, it in the pants a lot. I think I saw a Gucci yeah. bag. Yeah, probably. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Down the street. It was right when she was getting mobbed. Yeah, yeah, like, that's yeah. why they were hitting her because they really wanted her Gucci bag. Um, you know, so they do yeah, these Cameron things. Diaz, Cameron Diaz lifted a, a pair of off-whites off of some dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so they do that to kind of connect uh, the audience to the characters a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and Dunkirk, they specifically did that in the uniforms because – these were such young kids. Um, so that's actually where I learned it where the cost I was I heard an interview with the costume designer and he was like, Oh no, it's a good thing. Oh, <laughs> like, no this, is, this is how we did this and whatever. And I was like, wow. So now when I watch films, um, you kind of there's certain things you could tell. Um, the that top hat was fairly accurate like uh, when he's in that gray suit that was a fairly accurate top hat for the time it was a little off but like certain things like the tails so of the uh coats that they're in are sometimes different lengths and like there was a specific length size at that point so it's not completely accurate in costuming but it works for the film completely it's beautiful mm -hmm. and the scenery like they they built um i think it was a couple miles of the five points and actually, George Lucas came onto set and was like, you know, they have computers now for this. He was like, you don't need yeah, to do all like, that. Yeah, he was like, you don't need to do boss. all this. They have, <laughs> they have computers for this. And, Come by the ranch. Yeah, pretty I'll much. Show you. Um, and, you know, and Scorsese obviously was not happy by that. But One of my, <laughs> one of my big takeaways from this film was that though, we need to do those top hats are fresh, dude. Those top hats are those fucking are boisterous. Fuck, They're right out there. Yeah, we need to bring those back. Yeah. 
So like if you took that same top hat, but then just like cut open a little bit of the top and flopped it over, it's easily like a, like a, like a hobo hat. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's not. But it's not when it's, when it's it's together, it's 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 together. Primo. It's a prim looking star hat. That's sauce on a Sunday afternoon. Indeed. (laughs) So we, we really been driving this point home the whole time. We, you know, tie tiny loose knots. You wanted to now with the directing Scorsese, absolute powerhouse. Not my favorite. He's in it. Yes. I didn't realize he was in it yes. until yesterday. Yeah, yes. he's in the yeah. rich house that Cameron Diaz robs. Really? That yeah, he's sitting there as like the head table guy. Yeah, yeah that's a little. I didn't really see him, but his eyebrows are just like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Martin, little Martin. Yeah, he, little Martin. I feel like he very rarely does things like that. So I, th- I, I yeah, I, I don't remember it ever being a thing. I don't. I don't. I, mean, think I haven't I've seen every film it. by him, but. Like not his big ones. I mean, he's definitely not in Goodfellas. I've seen that I've seen that enough times. So. I feel like there uh-huh. might be one other film he's in. He might be, but yeah, no, I I do love that little that little tidbit. Um, no, I think I think his directing style is kind of clear throughout the film. I think it's um a little more odd for him, but um I think it's just a it's it, it you watch it and there's no question who directed it. Like and I think that's most of his films. He's so stylized in his way of telling stories. Um, that it's even it's a mafia film even without being a mafia film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he does like the classic character could get out of his problems, but greed basically keeps him in it. He does. You know what he didn't do that is very him. The he has a he has a motif of brotherly love in all of his films. And that wasn't really here. I mean, I guess the relationship between Amsterdam and Bill was kind of, but that was more like father-son. I think it was supposed to be Johnny and him. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I think it was supposed like, to be Johnny if, and him. If Johnny, w- if, if it was like, okay, we're in Casino now, and Johnny was Joe Pesci and Cameron Diaz was Sharon Stone, then maybe that would have worked out better but then you have such a powerhouse like butcher that is that too much going on i don't know we need to remake gangs of new york that's what i saw right here (laughs) i like honestly like tip for tat same cast just with more johnny i would i would completely cast hey liam what are you up to i would completely a couple of schmucks want to get you no, you know who we could we'll switch Johnny though. Johnny will be the fence guy. And the fence guy with the first right after they rob the fire, the townhouse with the oh, fire. Oh. And then they go to the guy and he's oh, like fifty percent goes up yeah. to whoever, and then we split the rest among us. And then so he's the guy who's in the Irishman. Yes. Dope actor. I could say his name right now. Honestly. The other guy that's one of their boys. He's yeah, he's um He's right he's up front in the final fight. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one that um he's like, I forgot what his he's name is. He's one of Johnny's boys. It's, yeah. It's Johnny, him, and the black kid. Yeah. 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 He's, yeah, he's the one yeah. that dies at the end with the he gets the he got stomped on by the Union Army. Did he die? Yeah. Oh shit. Oh yeah. No, I mean, well, you don't It's don't, implied. It's implied. Oh. There's no way he survived that. They had the bayonets and they're stomping on him. I mean, he's dead. Oh. <laughs> like, oh yeah, everyone fucking died. Yeah. Well, that's so I it's I love the ending of this film. I know I have a lot of friends who don't like the ending of this film because it's it's a little unsatisfying um, because the 
really the riot is what kills Bill the Butcher. I mean, it's not Leo because if we think about it, he was going to die no matter what. I mean, that that was a mortal wound that he had in his stomach there. Like there was no surviving mm-hmm. that sharp metal there. So it's kind of like unsatisfying in a way to the audience and to Leo's character. Um, this like, like he just he just wanted to get him so bad and he he does, but it's unsatisfying. He's like, I didn't kill him. Yeah. The sharp metal did. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's like, I love it. I think it's a great scene, but I know a lot of people who don't necessarily like it. I do enjoy the ending. Yeah. I do enjoy the ending of this film. I don't think it's unsatisfying whatsoever. I think it is a satisfying ending. I understand that he doesn't get the, the right kill that you get, but you don't get a satisfying kill in the beginning either. Yeah, but they when he kills the the priest in the beginning, that's not a satisfying kill either. Yeah, but it's also implied through the dialogue that that was a brutal battle. That like he says it was all the I think you you're saying like intentionally unsatisfying. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, as far as a movie goes and wrapping up a movie, I was satisfied with the way that yeah. that was wrapped up. Yeah. It's kind of like a Cersei Lannister killing. Like, everyone was pissed about the Cersei Lannister killing because it was, un- quote-unquote, unsatisfying because she didn't go out in this big, fiery death that everyone wanted. She went out like a coward. And to me... I thought that, her death was fucking perfect. I thought it was perfect to the character. Like, in Jamie's arms, getting crushed by the weight of the very place she was trying to control the whole time. Yeah, trying to escape the fall, you know. I think, I yeah. think, personally, to me, it's it's perfect. But, yeah, I could see how... Um, um, like a lot of people turned around and said it was unsatisfying because she didn't go down the way they wanted her to. And I kind of feel it's the same way in Bill the Butcher is they raise it up to be like this big battle and all this stuff and it's going to be this big, huge fight scene and in reality, it's, you know, kind mm-hmm. of destroyed by <laughs> the Union Army and the rebels. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Do we think Amsterdam went on to celebrate the death of Bill Butcher? No. no. I think he fucked off. I think he fucked off too. Yeah. I think he fucked off. I think he moved to Cold there. Spring. <laughs> Found a nice cheap. <laughs> Did they finally go to San Francisco? Ranch style house. What? Yeah, honestly, they probably fucked off to San Francisco. Yeah. Were they talking about San Francisco? She buys yeah. the ticket. That's where she's going at the end. And yeah. then she gets And that's and the stuff. other thing too that's so great about like, you know, obviously this is a period piece. So then she pulls up the fucking map and it's like, this is the fastest way to get there. And it's like, you leave fucking New York. You go all the way down through the canal. Uh-huh. Oh no, there's not even a canal there. You go around the fucking south tip of South America and up that way into San Francisco. Oh, to Florida. take the boat. You take the boat, yeah, because yeah. oh. there's no railroad yet. No railroad yet. Yeah, and there. you don't want to take the so fucking. They take the fucking. You want to take the trail of beers. They t- <laughs> <laughs> she, they, she has it mapped out on the ticket. And it's, the Oregon Trail. You leave fucking New York Harbor, wrap all the way around South America, mm-hmm. back all the way up, and then pull into San Francisco. And hope you don't Harbor. catch a cold. And she's like, it's the most direct, quickest way you could possibly go. It's going to be great. We'll get, there in a few, <laughs> we'll get there in a few months. So I'm sure they fucked off to San Francisco. I'm willing to bet one of them gets scurvy on the boat ride over there, and then the other one kills himself upon arriving because they're both dead. That's how I'd like to picture it. <laughs> But <laughs> so Amsterdam knows nothing about people or society, right? No, he's when a he gets fucking into this. sociopath. He's a, yeah, he's he literally he from goes, six. He goes uh, into essentially educational jail at five, four to six years. Yeah, old. gets pounded with some religion. It doesn't yeah. enter there at the all. He's definitely back dorm when he's in there, and then <laughs> he fucking comes out, Daddy. anywhere between eighteen and twenty-one with one goal, 
one thing he started yeah. out for the last 16 years. Kill yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis. No. <laughs> well, you know what they say. They you know what they say is that psychopaths are born, sociopaths are made. So yeah, real sociopath thing. Hundred percent, like a diamond. So build on the pressure. That's all we got. On. <laughs> Something new every day. That's all we got on that. We're gonna take another quick break, and then we're gonna come back. We're gonna look at the Oscars from two thousand two, and we're gonna give out some awards of our own. Hey, buddy. How's it going? You remember the good old days growing up, being a kid, going to middle school, not having a job. Mm-hmm. You, you had some stuff you had to do, right? Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of chores. Some parents might call them. I hate it. Helping out around the house, you know. Yeah. This and that. What well, you have any? You, you didn't like doing the most. What was your least favorite chore? My least. Your dad. Favorite. Your daddy made you do growing up. Least favorite chore, out of doubt. Scrubbing the kitchen floor with a toothbrush. I hated that. Scrubbing the kitchen floor with a toothbrush, dude. Yeah. Your dad made you do that? Yeah, it was fucking brutal. What the fuck, bro? I'm talking about mowing the lawn, man. Ah. Uh. I do that too. Yeah, man, mowing the lawn, it's no fun. And guess what? If you live in Suffolk County, it doesn't have to be a problem anymore. Why? Because we could have next level landscaping come take care of it for you. Mm. Next level landscaping, they specialize in weekly lawn maintenance, as well as fall and spring cleanups, thatching, mulch, seeding, and topsoil. If you live in the eastern Suffolk County area, you give them a call at 631-739-1121. You speak to Michelle or Tim, and you let them know Hawk sent you. Again, that's Next Level Landscaping, 631-739-1121. Come get your grass caught by some professionals. Don't want to do it with a toothbrush. All right, and we're back. So we're going to go over um, the Oscar awards and our awards. So they were actually, um, Gaines New York was uh, nominated for 10 Oscars, and they won, uh, I don't think any. (laughs) They didn't win any. They were nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, and Best Original Screenplay. And they actually won only Golden Globes for uh, Best Picture and Best Original Song. And that was it. So now I have to know who was up. They were up for Best Picture? They were up for Best Picture, yes. Which song? Was Uh, it the one about the people being sent off to war? I guess it was a Bono song. I'm not even sure what song it was. It just said Bono, and I don't... I think it's the one that plays during the... Uh, credits, oh. but I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, let me see. I'm pulling up. Where was best? There was no best supporting. No, nope. Uh, the this yeah. is silly. Um, no, it was like they had like best. Um, oh, here we go. Best. So best picture that year was actually Chicago. I think I knew this. The musical. I think um, I knew this. And then The Hours, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, and The Pianist were also nominated that year with Games of New York. Um, but yeah, no, from... Uh, oh, actually- okay. Actor in... Oh, so Daniel Day-Lewis was the leading role. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's odd too. I have no idea what's happening. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like the Oscars are a bit subjective, personally. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they... Uh, it's funny because John C. Riley was actually nominated for Best Supporting Role for Chicago that year. Oh, good so, for that guy. Yeah, he's great. He's a great, great actor. Love John C. Riley. John C. Riley's incredible. Um, so I guess we'll just we'll do our oh, awards. Right, yeah. um, awards. Oh, Leo also had Catch Me If You Can going around this year. Yes, he had a couple things going around at the same time because originally this was slated to be released in December of two thousand one, uh-huh. and it got pushed back to December two thousand two. Uh-huh. Um, which I thought was interesting that they didn't go back and take out the shot of the Twin Towers but because they left that in there. Yes. Yeah. I remember Which that. they had the time little, to take it out. Little yeah. homage yeah. there. 
Yeah, so it was a nice little shot. But um, our award, so our first award is best performance. I'll start with Gage. Who was your best performance? In? Dance in New York. Oh, Bill the Butcher. This is silly. What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It's Daniel Day-Lewis by by far. I mean, the only other nominee is... It's one of the best characters of all time. The only other nominee is Leo, and it's not, unfortunately, despite a great performance. It's Daniel Day-Lewis. The dude is the human chameleon. It's an incredible, iconic role. And that's all I have to say on it. I think it's pretty cut and dry. I don't think there's anyone who's even close. No, I think if you recast Bill the Butcher with someone else, then Leo wins the award. But if you recast Bill the Butcher with someone else, we're not sitting here talking about this movie 18 years later. Facts. Yeah, what was the original Bill the Butcher? The Boys comic came out way after, right? The Boys comic? Yeah. Billy Butcher? That came out in like 09. Yeah, definitely uh-huh. not him. Well, Bill the Butcher is. I was just wondering if he was an OG Bill the Butcher. Right now, well, there might Billy, be another well, Bill the, Butcher. The, the, ca- the, ca- the character's name in the boys is Billy Butcher. Yeah, I know that. This guy's. I was Billy wondering which Billy one came first, which fictional character the came butcher. first. The Butcher. Yeah, who is based on William Poole, William the Butcher Poole. All right. Not Bill the Butcher, Cutter, um, or Cutting. Cutting, cutting right? Cutting. Yeah. Bill the Butcher Cutting. Um. Okay, so. The heat check. The heat check will explain really quick for those who aren't fans of sports, specifically basketball. It's a basketball term. The heat check is the player that comes off the bench, maybe only plays like 10 to 14 minutes, explodes for a couple of threes, helps the team win. So in terms of a movie, it's the guy with the least amount of screen time that just brings it. And for me, I don't. I was trying to come up with other nominees. The issue with it is that you're either like you're there in the background, like Hellcat Maggie, she's there, we see her, she's barely involved, or you're in the movie too long because I think you brought up uh, Mad-Eye Moody Monk. Yeah. Monk. Yeah, Monk. But Monk as soon as you there. brought it up, he's in it way too much. I don't think he's in it too much. I think he's in it way too much. He's got like five scenes. No, he's more than that. No. no he's, he's, he's heavily involved yeah. in the end yeah. of the movie. During? Or? Oh. Because once they when make That him... whole part, when they, yeah, they, they put him oh. up for Sheriff mm-hmm. and he's yeah. doing all of that good stuff. So it's I think it's Liam Neeson throwing heat for the first fifteen minutes of the movie. Prepare to receive the real Lord, or what does he say? Yeah, <laughs> prepare to receive the true Lord. The true Lord, yeah. as he pulls a blade out of a Irish Celtic cross sheet, <laughs> <laughs> and he's just telling everybody, "Make your peace with God." Yeah, <laughs> and, and he's just he's like, just straight, not like his elbows ninety degrees the whole time he's fighting, just holding up dude, that cross. And he's carrying around that cross on a sheath like it's Gandalf's fucking stick. Yeah, in Lord of the Rings, just dude. bad form of. <laughs> Like, fighting. Yeah, like it yeah. carries he you actually see him in the background because i was watching him specifically every time he's on camera in that fight scene mm-hmm. dude he's smashing guys between the eyes with the fucking sheath and then stabbing them in the chest and then moving on smacking <laughs> a guy in the head slicing his neck next dude he's got two weapons and yeah. one of them is the cross of christ give him the one so, too yeah he's giving him the old two piece the old fucking two piece and a biscuit but it's a cross <laughs> and then a not really well sharpened blade at all. And then even <laughs> before the fight, he's shaving himself and the whole, no, you leave the blood on the yeah, blade. Yeah. Oh. It's, dude, he's throwing fucking heat the entire time and I don't see a world where it's not him. Can I bring Go up some Liam. things about this opening scene? First yeah. off, you have no idea where the fuck they are. It's like we're in a cave. Okay, we're out of the cave. We're in this wooden structure. Oh, there's a shit ton of people here. It looks like people took a mine shaft basically and yeah. made a home out of it. It's a oh no, building. it's a, brewery oh is it a brewery yeah they come out and then there's a the structure there's a sign that says the old brewery yeah but it's like it's a it's like tenement building it's kind of what they 
but it was repurposed. Yeah, it's like for... a makeshift tenement isn't that building. A, isn't that the mission? No, the isn't mission's that on the mission. The mission? No, that's at no. That building is at the Five Points. The mission is on Roosevelt Island. No, 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 no. no. That Roosevelt Island, Hellgate. I'm not that the mission. Oh. Their mission, the the dead cat, the the Protestant, not the Protestant, the Roman Catholic. Their Rome, the Irish were Roman. The Catholics. Irish were Roman Catholics. The Roman Catholic mission is that building that they're in in the beginning. That's where their church is. Yes. That's why that's their headquarters. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. May the Lord guide my <laughs> hand against your Roman popery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping someone brought up that line. I literally had it written down to say it or someone did it. That's probably one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. Um, yeah, I'd probably say Liam Neeson too. I mean, just based on his amount of time in the film, it probably is one of the most powerful scenes. Um, and... Sure. I mean, this is a movie, unfortunately, where there's like four or five people that matter and then everybody else just kind of exists in the framework of it. Because like you barely see it. Like we said, Hellcat Maggie barely see it. Yeah. Monk is in it too much. He's one of the guys that's in it too much. Everyone else you just kind of see hanging out. Well, I would say John C. Riley is in it too much too. John C. Riley is absolutely in it too he's much. He's fantastic. He's incredible too. There is the fen- there's the fence guy, but he doesn't really make an impact real hard. Yeah, he's eligible. Yeah, he, he's eligible, but he's not taking any votes away from Liam. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. no. I that's the thing. Anyone that can stand up to Liam is in it too much. Anyone that has a rule that could stand up to Liam mm-hmm. is just in it too much. So I, I have to, I have to agree with Liam Neeson. Yes. So, so most quotable scene or line, I have two that that were two of my favorites. This first one is uh, in Tammany Hall. It's Tweed talking to Butcher. It's. The appearance of the law must be upheld, especially when it is being broken. When they're talking, yes, yeah. I love the pause there too. He takes a pause. No, the appearance of the law must be upheld, even while it's being broken. He's fantastic. Um, Jim Broadbent is is such a great actor. I don't know if either of you ever seen Moulin Rouge, but him is. Uh, Harry Ziegler is fantastic in Baz Luhrmann's Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. So, and it's it's a very it's a very similar role, but more exuberant mm-hmm. um, in Moulin Rouge. But uh, yeah, that's it, a great. You guys, so many good the, lines. The other one I had written down was right after he gets shot in the theater. So fuck God, he'll make his peace with me. I'm gonna teach you to speak English with this. Yeah, knife. <laughs> I'm gonna teach you how to speak English with this fucking knife. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking incredible and my, yeah what my, is he saying yeah. i think he's making making his peace with god fuck god, god. he'll make his peace with me <laughs> uh, that's such a badassery like well like yeah god, that is I am such your a god. good one he might as well have just said i am your fucking god yeah bitch. <laughs> and the other one that i've always loved is, is at the end of the movie well not towards the end of the movie you think it's the end of the movie but then you look and there's 40 fucking minutes left but when he tries to kill billy the first time Mm-hmm. When he tries to kill him, and he says, uh, "You tried to you saved my life one night just to murder me the next, like a sneak thief." <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, when they're hanging in the gallows, and when they're about to go hang the people, ah, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of crime right now. There's a lot of crime going on. In the points we got to send a message. What do you want to do? Think we should hang somebody because <laughs> how many uh three or four which, which, which is it which <laughs> four 
So those are my those are those are my four nominees. Any more you guys want to throw in there? And then we have what is the on. line with uh, sneak thievery, sodomy, oh. and public detriment? <laughs> what is it? Oh my god! It's sneak it's... thievery, sodomy, strangulation, Enthusiast... and enthusiastic detriment to no. the public. Enthusiastic corruption of the public good. <laughs> <laughs> and one count of enthusiastic corruption of the public good. <laughs> um, I I love I pretty much love any line that comes from boss weed i think he is the perfect politician <laughs> i really do he's great uh, um, even when they're when they're burying everybody at the end and he's like buried a lot of votes today yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's a great Fucking line cock, dude um, one of his best lines is to, and actually right before that is remember the first rule of politics the ballots don't make the results the counters make the results the counters keep counting but he says yeah. the guy comes over he's like we ran out of ballots. And he's like, yeah. it doesn't matter about the ballots. Yeah. Like, the ballots don't make the votes the counters do. So yeah. it's just such a corruption thing. And I, I love it. <laughs> and we go back to JFK. JFK is one of those uh, presidents that, mm, did he really get elected <laughs> fairly? I don't know. That's that's another podcast. But So um, wh- which one wins? Wait, for what? The quote. Oh, Unless hold on. I, I, ha- I, have, <laughs> I have some more. I don't know it how is, many I could is. say. But <laughs> I'm willing to bet there's a few you just don't just avoid them. Um, one of the ones I love that Leo says is uh, when you kill a king, you don't stab him in the dark. You kill yeah. him where the entire court can watch him die. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite lines in the entire film. Um, uh, we did the potpourri line. That's a good oh, line when too. the dude when he stabs the dude in the hand. They're playing poker. <laughs> yeah. Stack. Yeah. Please, Please don't make that sound again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it was like, it's a gentleman's game. Make a gentleman's bet. And then he throws some change on the table. And then he's like, oh, I'm not trying to bet big, Billy. <laughs> um, that's a great line, too. Oh, that's a wound. That's a wound. No, that's a wound. Um, you get kill. But when you get, I, <laughs> That's a wound. You have to pay for the pleasure of my company. Whatever yeah. Saying. Yeah, oh, you boy. that's a great line too. Says you, next time you come, don't don't show up empty-handed. You have to pay for uh, the pleasure of my company. And that's or something a great little homage to what New York used to be, because he says, "Oh, what's your name, kid?" And he says, "Oh, Amsterdam." He says, "Well, I'm New York," yeah. and it's because like that, you know, the Dutch coming in and naming it Amsterdam originally. Yeah. But I, I another great line that I love, which again comes from Leo, is in the beginning when he come, first comes back to the Five Points, and it wasn't a, it wasn't a city really. It was more a furnace where a city someday might be forged. Yeah. That's just a great little... That really set the scene. Yeah. It really does explain to you where you are. And it's kind of funny if you are a New Yorker because you're going, hey, was mm-hmm. it forged? <laughs> yeah. How great is that city? <laughs> but um, I do think that the best line is the sneak thief. I think the sneak thief is one of the, the best what, I, You saved my life one, yeah, one night um, just to save me the next, like he, a sneak thief? Yeah. It's, he <laughs> saved my life one day so he could... Uh, kill me the next like a sneak thief instead of fighting like a man. I think that's like one of my favorite lines. But I also think one of my the best scenes is the ending. I think the ending is one of the best scenes. Well, they, that's my vote. That's where we're going next. My though. vote has to go to uh, fuck God. He'll make his peace with me. Yeah, fuck God. He'll make his peace with me. I'll, I'll teach you English with this knife. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not mad if that one wins. I. <laughs> yeah, uh, all right, yeah. I'll give it to that one. I I'll let that one win. That's a great line. Honestly, yeah. like this movie is just, they have, it's, it's so, so quotable. well written. <laughs> it's, it's so quotable. <laughs> the lines so, are so good. The, the next and final award we're doing today, and we're going to play with this as we move on, but right now we're going for most polarizing scene. 
So in terms of either people loved it or hated it, or you loved it and hated it, or you really love it, or you really hate it, you feel strongly about it one way or another. And my pick is the whole sequence when they're getting off the boats and they're throwing the rocks. Go back to Ireland, you dumb Mick. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and then they, they transition into signing up for the army without even really knowing what they're doing and that whole thing. And why I love it so much. First of all, it's funny. Like, just go back to Iowa and you dumb Mick is funny to me. <laughs> it's, it's, also, so, it's like a brick wall of a statement. It's like, yeah, all right, yeah, nowhere to go. From I don't fucking like you because of I know nothing about you. Get the fuck back to where you came from, you potato eating fuck. So the reason that I love it so much is because it's almost like it's it's so on the nose and done not over the top but it's so on the nose and it's almost to a point where it's satire you know yeah. where it's like can you believe this is how you know we really used to believe and act here in america but the sad sad truth of the situation is you could just take off those fucking britches and that old coat and throw this man in some jeans and a fucking nike hoodie and a maga hat yeah and it fits dude just change the fucking yeah. race of the people this is still what we're doing today but we watch this movie and act like we're better than we were fucking a hundred years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think anybody watching this movie now would see stuff like that and be like, Oh, okay. I, I, yeah, I can relate to that. This is what we've been doing here forever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wild. Um, most polarizing scene. I just thought of another quote too. That was pretty good. It doesn't win for me, but when uh tweed comes in after Bill, Bill gets shot and they're like in the, like, the naked chicks all around and he starts talking business and Bill's like, all right, either yeah. sit down he, and shut up or says, shut up I, and get out. He go, No, he goes, I, I got a fucking hole in my chest. So either have a drink and shut up or shut up and get out. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, I guess I'll have a drink. There's another great line in that scene where he's like, I forgot what he calls the girl, but he's like, okay, if she's Frenchified. And yeah. yeah, I love that line. <laughs> I mean, um for me i think that one of the most polarizing scenes i also think it's the best scene is the ending i think um just just based on what um i talked to a lot of people that they don't like the ending and that's kind of why i put in the most polarizing i personally don't think it's the most polarizing but i i could see why people don't like it because it is it's unsatisfying i mean for for us as um Filmmakers and people who appreciate movies, I think we understand why it's done that way. And we appreciate that because, you know, it makes sense to us. But I can see how, like, your average Joe is not happy with that. Because you're, you're, you're all built up for this big battle. You get them walking through the tunnels. Mm-hmm. It's like a damn Disney ride again. The whole movie's like a Disney ride. And, like, mm-hmm. I really, and, and you it's know, like Pirates of the Caribbean. That's exactly what I think of. Like when the opening scene happens and you're traveling, and they back out and you see like the craziness in ten minutes. It's like that scene in Pirates of the Caribbean on, when they're chasing around with the broomstick and someone's getting hit with a bottle. I love mm-hmm. it. It's like one of my favorite rides. Um, but I think it's um, I think it's super interesting that that was the choices made because even uh, Bill the butcher in that scene almost accepts fate. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the beginning too, when he talks about like, oh, he's gonna cross over the river whole and stuff like that. It's like that acceptance of this is my fate. I accept death in this way, in this manner, even though it's like not how I want to go. And he kind of accepts that, like, yo, no one could kill me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he kind of he prides himself a little bit in this way that he's like, he pulls it out. And he's just like, yeah, like mm-hmm. I'm dying this way. Like even you couldn't kill me. 
Like, mm-hmm. and it's no, like. But then he asked for death. Yeah, but he was gonna die no matter what. Like he was gonna bleed out. There's no saving He's him. He's proud in that moment. He says, um, "I'm proud well, to die I'm, true I'm finally gonna die a true American." Well, does American. he say true native no, or true, true American? American. Like true a true American. American. He says, "I'm gonna die like a true American." And he's basically. In his mind, dying like his father, even though it's nowhere near the same, because his father died in battle. I mean, it's still battle, but his father died in for the country, and he died essentially for himself. Right. You could say he did it for the five points, but seventy percent of the five points fucking hated him, and they weren't really doing nothing for him, or he wasn't doing anything for them. So it's kind of like this false sense of like, oh, like being as good or trying to be as good as his father was in his eyes. Because he paints this picture the whole movie mm-hmm. about how his father was a true American and he died on the battlefield for you stupid mix and now you don't want to you know do the same you have no respect whatever and he kind of feels the same way like he's this hero of the five points but he's not he's a scumbag. But you could argue that all villains think they're the heroes they're the heroes of their story. More so, often than not, yeah. So, not, but not always. any good hero, any good villain. I mean, the yeah. good villains. Good villains, sure. like a good villain, is a hero in his own in right. In the words yeah. of the late great Heath, some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> that was not Heath. That was Michael Caine. You're right. It was Michael Caine talking about Heath. Talking about Heath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, some men just I, want to watch the world burn. I don't have a good Michael Caine. <laughs> that, that was, was Sean nice Connery. It sounded like a halfway decent Sean Connery. I do. Sh- but- every time I try Michael Caine, it turned into Sean Connery. <laughs> Famous titties for 400. Dolly Parton. So what's what's your most polarizing scene? What do you think? When Bill gets shot. Definitely when Bill gets shot. Because... Amsterdam is there next to him in the start of the scene. They're throwing shit at the at Lincoln on stage. They're screaming, go back to your country. Like Amsterdam has fully forgotten everything that he did believe in the beginning of the movie. And was so just under the wing of Bill. And then this dude comes in. His instinct is just like protect Bill, dives on the guy, kills the first person he's ever killed. Yep. And then has that whole fu- like that is that is polarizing to me like just being on an ultimate high and then realizing like oh no i'm just like mentally fucked right now like i lost my way entirely yeah i i kind of agree with that that's I a thought, good i felt that i felt that and i thought about that when i watched that happen when he kills a guy cuz that's mm-hmm. when i i guess today i realized it i don't know if i would say that you don't realize it but today for whatever reason i realized it i'm like oh that's the first time he's actually really killed somebody yeah like straight up pull the trigger. I mean that we know about. Yeah, but yeah. In the movie, it's the first time you see it. It's kind of implied. Yeah, and it's just some guy it's... like you have like that's it's part... just some guy probably with good intentions. And that's also part of I never really got to it with the finish with that finishing scene that he doesn't really kill him and he probably couldn't really kill him. Oh, like if he had to be the one to do. Yeah, it? like it had to happen that way because I bet you that's just I mean. We're talking about a fictional story that was finished 18 years ago, but just the vibe I got. Like, he is not a cold-blooded killer or a murderer, and I don't think he ever... First of all, why do you try throwing a knife at a knife specialist? <laughs> so that you don't have to be near where he's yeah, stabbed you. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you don't have to drive the, the blade in. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, just the thought... Some people just don't have it in them. Some people are just not killers. Just the thought, I thought about it when I saw that scene today. Mm-hmm. That he's not really this killer. 
like you see, and even Johnny, like they're not really these killers. Like you see all these other guys just out here murdering. People. Yeah. At yeah. least from what you see, Johnny's, they're not, Johnny's he's kind of just a, like, he's Johnny is like a ultimate, like he's a almost like he thinks that he needs to be a killer. Yeah. Well, I think that was the, the time, the age that like, just that's what the times were. I mean, you had to be tough. You had to be, you know, no, you couldn't let anyone. Well, I mean, you. trust me, he also like experienced something very different. At a very young age. You could say different. <laughs> you could say different. Very unusual. But he wasn't the only boy who lost their father in that great battle. Certainly not. At the defeat of the But he's the only one who switched fucking flipped. He's the only one who he's the <laughs> only one who tried to fucking fight the rest of the Bowery boys afterwards. Remember he takes the knife out and starts swinging it at him? That's yeah. how he runs away. Yeah, so they yeah. capture him and then they turn him into the law and then the law puts him in this little reform school for 16 years. Which no, they send him there. Well, because Bill, Bill said, turn him over to the law. Like when he walked away. Like, he says, turn him over to the law? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what they did with Wayward Boys. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Can't have him run the streets. That was very too many running the streets. And so now we got this one on our hands. We're going to put you yeah. to good use and make you learn the Lord. We're going to so teach you a Protestant Catholic. Potpourri. Protestant. <laughs> your Roman potpourri. <laughs> We're going to teach you some good old fashion protestant catholicism yeah so yeah well that's worth it for us plymouth rock bitch <laughs> anyone anyone else got anything to touch on the great film that is gangs in new york do you still think mm. it's uh it's still one of your tops right james it's in my top 10 now you guys any more gauge nah not in my top was it ever in your top 10 it was at one point until i started watching more movies and Hey, there's some really good fucking movies out there <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like it's hard to keep like your top like you feel like it's constantly changing? Yeah, I mean, like, The Handmade and just... I just saw that for the first time, and that slipped its way on the top five. I'm like, oh, okay, so at any point, that could just, like... The movie? Yeah. Never seen Not that. Handmaid's Tale. Uh, that's why for a second I had to... No, The Handmaiden. It's a Korean film by Park Chung-wook. He did Old Boy. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, I have not seen that one, though. Yeah, go watch Old Boy. Go watch... Okay, Old Boy is part of a triptych of films, kinda, where it's like, you know what a triptych is? It's like I the, may, but you should probably explain it to the, the listeners. So for those who don't know, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's um when you go in a museum and you see three paintings side by side that are all have this similar theme, but they're three separate paintings. So he did three movies which have the theme of vengeance, and it's first um. Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and then Old Boy, and then Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. All three great movies. And they don't relate to each other other than the thematic elements gotcha. there. But, right. yeah. Oh, favorite movies, they change. Do you feel like that too, James? Your favorite movies constantly change? Yeah, but some of them are like in there. like Just locked in. Like Jurassic you know, Park you know, for me, locked like in. You never dislodge Empire Strikes Back. You're never going to dislodge that. I mm-hmm. remember one spot probably as long as I live. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely room because there's been like um, I'm trying to think of things that came out like Goodfellas. I mean, not for me within is locked the last, in. not within mm-hmm. not within the last five years, but from the first time I saw it in the movie theater, uh, American Hustle is in the top ten or fifteen, mm-hmm. and Wolf of Wall Street. You know, there's always room. I don't know what necessarily gets bounced. I'm not really keeping a, a huge 
literature here mm -hmm. but there's you know things come out and then they take the top spot and you don't necessarily know it at the time what's getting kicked out yeah of the list but that's kind of the way it goes yeah but some of these movies aren't going anywhere and you think gangs of new york is one of those for right now yeah okay mm -hmm. sticking with 8.4 out of 10 so 4.2 yeah i'm gonna stick with my 4.6 oh, i'm sticking with my 4.1 Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show, whatever movie it was about. Uh, this is a generic pre-recorded outro, but we hope you had fun. We sure do. Thanks for listening. See you next week. And the only prescription is more cowbell. We will not go quietly into the night. Stay gold, pony boy. I will not die sober. Get those fucking loose. That's all, folks.